The Athletic. Welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. I am, of course, your new host, Tony Jameson, and welcome to the first episode of The New Era. If you've been following the show for a while, thank you for renewing your season ticket. And if you're brand new, welcome in. Think of the show as your digital instruction manual to this wonderful and often frustrating game. There's been an off-season reshuffle, Ian's moved upstairs, we've invested in the presenting staff, and my 4-4-2 now has an inverted winger. Talk about progress. On today's show, we're going to be talking to Andrew Sinclair from Sports Interactive about some of the headline features on FM23. We're going to be opening up the Tactics Garage with RDF Tactics, and we'll be reading your love letters to FM22 as we reach the end of the current game cycle. Sound good? Of course it does. Better get started then. So yes, we're about to start the first ever episode of the new era, and I am not alone. I am joined by RDF Tactics. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. (laughs) This is how it's going to be going forward now. As FM23 is doing its final stretches before being released onto the pitch to show us what it can do, we're delighted to be able to speak to one of the key members of Sports Interactive and friend of the show, Andrew Sinclair. Andrew, welcome. Hello. Good to see you both. It's a pleasure to have you in. Now, before we go further, please remind the listeners of your role at Sports Interactive. Yes, so I'm PR and content executive at Sports Interactive. So I'm responsible for a lot of our written comms. So that's both marketing copy, but also things like the feature blogs or the byline on the the Football Manager website. So I'm the words man uh, within the comms team most of the time. And what wonderful words you write, to be honest. Thoroughly enjoy reading them. Now, there have, of course, been a few significant things announced on the lead up to the big day on the 8th of November. So let's have a little bit of a conversation about them, shall we? Match upgrades. What's happening? Yeah, so the, the match engine team, as you can imagine, it, it's the thing that everybody looks forward to every year is how was the match engine moved forward. And the match team, Nick Madden and his team have done a tremendous job this year of taking everything forward. They've taken forward a lot of the, the inverse uh, kinometric stuff they did last year with the animation. So animations now look even more natural you'll see that with goalkeepers you'll see that with tackles uh, you'll also see that with first touches so the the way a player takes the first touch now is more realistic and the ball will kind of continue the way it's been traveling so if you're taking a long pass over the top when you take it down it might be that the ball kind of bobbles in the air or, or drifts away from you a little bit um, but that also means that players are more likely to be able to take a ball down on their chest and then maybe volley it in which is obviously something we're all looking forward to to see in our games. I suppose the biggest thing really is to the AI managers. So they've done an awful lot of work. They basically stripped them back and started again to make the AI managers more intelligent. So they've got new functionality and it means that the AI managers now will make more intelligent decisions, smarter decisions. So if they're 
beating you 1-0 in a derby with 10 minutes to go, you likely see them actually start trying to lock the game down to hold on to that win. But if they were behind, you're more likely to see them make maybe formation changes or substitutions that would help them chase the game. Whereas in the past, you maybe didn't see that. And that revamp reflects how individual managers work. So Pep would respond how Pep would in real life. You would see other managers, based on what we've seen and our researchers have seen, they're now going to react in the game more as they would in real life. So might be a bit more challenging to, to start with in the matches, but also you're going to get a more realistic test, if that makes sense. Like, is this game not hard enough? Don't go making the AI <laughs> understand what's going on. Like, I already lose the game with the AI as it is right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's very promising. I guess it it works your brain a little bit as well. You go into like a mini tactical battle. I can imagine you're playing a game. You're maybe 2-0 down or even 2-0 up. But I'm going to say 2-0 up. And you see in them throwing bodies ahead. There you can try and exploit any spaces they've potentially left or you can try and sit back even more which is potentially dangerous it's not kind of my style but that is very promising I must admit now next question squad planner what exactly is it because it sounds very intriguing yeah so the, the squad planner is something we've been sort of working on integrating for a while now and it, it came from conversations that we'd had within the studio with people within real football about how they plan their recruitment processes not just for the season you're in but looking ahead to the next couple because most clubs, although managers might change, they are trying to think long-term with their recruitment strategies. So the squad planner, as you say, it's been introduced as a new tab and a menu on the, the left-hand side. And it effectively, if you were a football manager nerd like me and you got your notebook out with your pen and you wrote down your first yeah. choice and then your second choice, that's now built into the game for you. So you will be able to look at your current tactics, say you're playing a 4-2-3-1, and you'll be able to see, right, who have I got in that sort of 10 spot? Who would be my first choice, second choice, third choice? You yeah. can take players out of that list, and you can add them in from either a short list you've made, so maybe someone you scouted you want to bring in. So if I brought in this player, where would they slot in both this season, seasons after? But also youth players. So you can add youth players to that view to say, okay, I've got someone good in my youth team. They're maybe not ready this year, but how are they going to fit in next year? And I don't want to block their pathway. So if I want them to play regular minutes, who do I need to sell? Who do I need to, to move on? Um, in theory, it will help you build your squad in a more logical and sensible way. And maybe when you're looking at it, you'll be able to see, okay, next season, two of my three left backs are out of contract. I'm not going to have anyone and I've got no prospects. So then you can set up a, a recruitment focus, which are integrated into that. Yeah. Sure, we'll talk about that in a bit. You could then set one up based on what you've seen. Say, right, okay, well, next season we're going to need a left back who's capable of playing regular minutes. So then your scouts can go and find someone who's yeah. going to fit that brief. So it's tried to kind of evolve the recruitment process to make it more like real life, but also to help you as a user more logically build a squad as you move forward through season to season and that, that kind of thing. So... I think it's going to be a really fun addition, but it, yeah. it will obviously mean that for me, my notebook and my colour-coded pens might have to go into retirement <laughs> for FM23, which is a will be a sad moment, I think. Oh, you and Ooh, me both, Andrew. I'm a fan, I'm a fan of, a, of a pen and paper, to be honest. But you know what? We're, thinking, <laughs> we're saving trees by doing it this way. So so I, I like that. I like that approach. One thing as well I've spotted, which I, again is something that's probably a little bit close to my own heart, support <laughs> confidence. Now, 
I tend to think that I've never been disliked by a group of clubs fans, but then I think back to some of my saves and there's some saves where I've pretended that that club hasn't even existed. So um, <laughs> is this going to be a situation where I'm going to be having fans outside my house or or are they going to chant my name? I, yeah, I think we've seen, I think, you know, within Football Manager, we've seen how football fandom has evolved over the last five, ten years. And, you know, I'm not going to name them, but you know those fan YouTube channels have become such a big part of football culture now. I think we understand that the voice of the fans is maybe more important than ever. We tried to kind of integrate that into the game and make every club feel unique and capture that unique essence of, of every club. So every club will now have a supporter profile. So there's a screen which has got a lovely looking stadium which is kind of it's sort of like a pie chart so you've got a stadium and then six color-coded sections around it which sort of show you how many of your fans are hardcore fans so they'd be your season ticket holders that travel to every game home and away how many of them are fair weather fans who maybe are your your twitter fans who are maybe more interested in deadline day than actual games and sort of if you were having a bad run would they lose interest in what you were doing so it reflects that for, for every club now Every club's going to have a different breakdown. Those clubs at the top end of football are going to have a lot more fair weather casual fans because they're global brands, essentially. But a team playing in the, the Vanarama National League North is going to have a much more hardcore fan base because what is the appeal of, say, Bradford Park Avenue outside of the Bradford area? It's going to be quite small. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Blythe Spartans is a more appropriate one for you, Tony. That, uh, but, <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but essentially we try to reflect that in the profile and you'll understand the input the fans have on the board so again there are going to be certain clubs where what the fans think and say the board don't take any notice of really the board just do their own thing but then there are going to be other clubs where they're very in tuned with their fan base particularly maybe those that are fan owned or have fan investment in them um, so we try to reflect that in the supporter profile and then that leads into support confidence which is an extension of the the club vision feature that's been there for for years so now you'll see that the board are going to assess you on certain objectives and certain goals but the Mm. fans will assess you on certain ones as well and sometimes those supporter goals are going to be different to the board so for example the board might want you to finish top four in the prem just so you get into the champions league but if say you were arsenal then your fans are going to want you to make sure you finish above tottenham Regardless of where you finished in the table, they'd want you to be above your biggest rivals, for example. So the supporter things will reflect that, and you'll see that on a game-to-game basis. Your board might say to you before a game, you know, we're away, they're a stronger team, we're happy with the draw. But your fans might say, no, I want us to win this. Because if we win, that sets us up well for a good run of games. Or one of your star players might have been coming back from injury. The board say you can ease them back in, but the fans maybe say, no, I want to see him starting. He's fit. Let's go. I want to see him from minute one doing what he can do best. So you've kind of got to play off both of those this season because if the fans are unhappy with you, just as they would in real life, they might be able to sort of vote with their feet and put you under pressure. The same as in the previous games. If the board didn't like what you were doing, they might uh, look at calling you in for one of those meetings that we all dread. What I do like now, and I'm going to approach those games, going into those games, there's actually added pressure. So you did mention Arsenal and I was smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> but like you said, to finish above Tottenham. So now when it comes to that North London derby, there's actually pressure on me because I know I have to win for that fan's sake as well. So that's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if it does add that, that sort of uh, match day experience, isn't it? Now you mentioned recruitment earlier. 
recruitment meetings. Apparently there's a little bit more going on there now. Yeah, so we, we've tried to make the recruitment meetings more of a kind of full-scale, full-scale, full-screen engaging experience than maybe they were in the past. So we've changed the way they look, we've changed the way they feel, and we've changed the way that they're structured. So there are now sort of two types of recruitment meeting. You've got planning and feedback. The planning meetings are more looking ahead to the next transfer window. So where do we need to add players? Where do we need to, to improve things? Now that will connect with your squad planner and it will connect with your recruitment focuses that I've, I've mentioned already. But we've added a couple of new types of recruitment meeting as well. So those planning meetings, if you've got a spate of bad injuries and you've lost two of your three strikers to injury, so you've got very few options left, you'll have an emergency planning meeting to try and identify a striker or to make sure you've set up a recruitment focus or your scouts will come to you and say, right, we need a striker because we've only got one person fit for, for the next three, four months. Here are four or five players we've already scouted. Do you want to have a look? And do you want to bring on someone on loan or, or try and bring someone in? Likewise, if you're having a really bad run of form, say you've lost four or five in a row, you might have an emergency planning meeting because they say, yeah, well, maybe we're not quite good enough to compete at this level. So we need to bring in some new resources to strengthen us, to make us more competitive. Let's look at where we're weaker which again is based on those conversations we've had with real life clubs. How do they plan and look ahead to recruitment? And it's not just fixed. We need this three months in advance and you're working on it. They respond. It's a dynamic process. So we tried to capture that. And then you'll have the, the feedback meetings, which are maybe after a transfer window. And it's like, this is who you brought in. This is who you sold. This is kind of what the squad looks like now. So again, we've tried to refine them in a way that makes them more like real-life football, but also in a way that's going to help you as a, a user, as a player, as you progress through your career at any club. Speaking of scouting, there have been scouting enhancements there too, right? Yes, there have. So again, I sound a bit like a broken record now. We've really tried <laughs> to tap into the, the resources we've got within real-life football. So the percentages that told you how much a player had been scouted, those percentages are a thing of the past. They're gone. Yeah. Players are now referred to on the amount of knowledge you have on them. Because realistically, you would never have 100% knowledge on any player. Whereas now we've changed it. So do you have minimal knowledge? Do your scouts have marginal knowledge? Or do they have extensive knowledge on that player? Mm. And extensive will correspond with those high percentages in the past. If they've got extensive, that means they'll have watched them a number of times. That means they'll have studied them. They'll have kind of analysed their performances. They'll have all the data they could possibly have to make an assessment on that player. Uh, you'll still get the A plus to, to F scale that was there in the past, but that extensive kind of informs you a little bit better about that scouting yeah. process. We've changed some terminology as well. So you no longer have a scouting package. You have a scouting range. It's the same idea, same principle, yeah. but clubs don't buy a package. That that kind of was the implication of the, the language before, whereas a range is now more reflective of how that would work. But just generally, we, we've tried to improve the logic. There are fewer scouting meetings now than in the past. You'll only get them now where they've found someone who fits a recruitment focus or they think there's someone really good that you just need to see. You know, I've seen this 18-year-old wonder kid playing in Argentina. You need to see him because he's going to improve this squad. He might not fit within a recruitment focus, but they're just like, this is the, the golden goose. You need yeah. to spend your money. So we've tried to improve that logic again to, to reflect real life, but also make recruitment, which is one of the things we enjoy the most in Football Manager, make it more enjoyable and, and more sort of streamlined and exciting. Now on that, though, to make it more realistic, agents involvement. Now, <laughs> is it more 
in depth? Are we going to be getting phone calls, being offered players out again? You're saying there about you're in a bad run of form. Is an agent going to get in touch going, you know who you need? You need one of my guys. Is that how it's going to work? Or have I... <clears throat> No, up tree I, here. <laughs> no, I think it's more trying to to reflect how they again how they work in real life. So now it's we've changed, for example, that the way contract negotiations work. Before you offer your player a new contract, you'll see there's an option in the drop down that says discuss new contract with agent. So you can speak to the agent and say, right, I would like to renew X player. Would they be interested? And then the agent will come back and say, yeah, yeah, he would. He'd like to stay he's going to expect a wage in this sort of ballpark. And then you're forewarned, basically, before you go into those negotiations. So hopefully it will help you and you might be able to say, right, well, he wants a double, you know, he wants his pay packet doubled. I can't afford that. So I'm not going to yeah. try and negotiate that contract. And it means that when you go into those negotiations, you're not going to be stunned like you were in the past when you say, right, off a contract and they're like, I want 100 grand a week. And you're just like, well, you were on 40. That's not going to work. At least you're going to know that now more and it sort of just reflects the way that you would go through an agent to, to work on those things last year fm22 we had ask agent about availability for a player if you were trying to buy them we've taken that process forward now this year so you can have a conversation with them so you could say to the agent all right i want to bring them in and they say yeah he'd be interested he's looking for this and you might say well we're not going to offer him that much of a wage or we're not going to offer him that much playing time and you can try and have a conversation with the agent to work out if the move is realistic or not they might follow up with you if you if you have a conversation with them and then you don't make an offer. You might see an item in your inbox a week or so later saying, you know, we had that chat about uh, Ismail Asar. Mm. Were you still interested in bringing him in because this is what we're looking for? That might kind of encourage you to do something. Uh, and I suppose the other one, the one that probably excites me the most, if you've had a contract negotiation with a player and it's broken down, in the past you'd sort of have to wait an indeterminate period of time before mm, you could yeah. speak to them again. Now you can use the agent as the middleman to try and bring them back to the table. So you can say, I really do want to keep him around. We couldn't get to, to terms the first time. Can you speak to him? Let, let's try and get back around the table again. And the agent will say, okay, I've spoken to him. You know, we're not going to be able to budge on the wage or maybe we could come down to this. And again, you've got that room to negotiate. And then if you work that out, you can then go back to the negotiating table and, and agree a new deal. So I think that's fun because it means you're, you're not going to maybe lose people that you might have done in the past. And then the other one is if a player is upset for some reason in the past, the ways of resolving that, will you ask the captain to speak to them or you spoke to them yourself? You'll now see another option in those news items where you can get the agent to speak to them. Because in theory, the agent is their, their right-hand man or, or right-hand yeah. woman. So you can say to the agent, look, I know he's upset about his playing time. Can you have a word with him and we'll see what we can do? And then the agent will say, yeah, fine. And then it might say, you know, the agent's been able to smooth it over, they're happy. Or the agent's not been able to do it. And then maybe you step in and speak to them yourself. So again, they reflect real life, but also in theory are giving you more tools as a manager in terms of squad building, in terms of squad happiness and harmony and stuff. So nice. should be a really positive addition, but maybe not too many aggressive feelers that you were worried about, Tony. Okay, okay. And I guess the final one that we've seen is uh, the dynamic timeline. Now, some of us around this table like to play long journeyman saves. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. <laughs> Explain to us the dynamic manager timeline. Yeah, so this this was sort of partly inspired by what we've seen some of the people in the, the FM community doing online when they've had those 
big dramatic long saves with a club and they've put together a timeline of you know I started in 2021 and then in 2030 I won the Carabao Cup and then I got promoted to the top flight in 2033 or whatever and we've seen those and we thought yeah we want to try and do something like that in the game because we all know we love the game and one of the things we all love doing is telling other people about our saves and our stories and we wanted to make a way that it was easier for you to see your story but also share your story so we kind of pulled together some of the things that are already in the game and added a lot more functionality to introduce the dynamic manager timeline. So this is a chronicle of your career, basically, from when you start to to where you are at that point when you're looking at it. And we've introduced an event system. So every event in your career is kind of categorised on a point system. Uh, and then that display- determines what's displayed. So when you first start at the club, Obviously, your your biggest achievements are going to be you got your first win or you progress to the next round of a cup, yeah. for example. But as you get, say, five years in, those things will disappear from the timeline. And you start seeing things like you gave a debut to a new gen from the academy. One of your players got shortlisted for the next gen award because they were you know world class or something. Or one of your players was top in the goal 50 list, for example. And then it will say you got promoted. You reached the cup final. You won a trophy. You achieve success in Europe and it will evolve with you as your career progresses. So, again, it's calling out those big moments, those big successes Mm -hmm. in a way that celebrates what you've done and allows you to share that story on your social media with your friends, with your family, because we all know that's what we love doing. And here's visual proof that you actually did win the League Cup in your first season, (laughs) the League One team. Also visual proof of how many times I've been sacked, which I'm now starting to think is not a great <laughs> idea, to be honest. Um, you know what? I think that all sounds excellent to us. I can't wait for FM23. Andrew Sinclair from Sports Interactive, thank you very, very much for joining us. And we'll speak to you soon, no doubt. Cheers, guys. Enjoyed it. You're listening to the Football Manager Show from The Athletic. We're one of many mighty podcasts in The Athletic's arsenal. There's Handbrake Off, a show about... Well, Arsenal. They've got the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. The tactical behemoth that is T4 is also part of the family. And if you're a subscriber, you can listen to all these shows on the app ad-free. And how do you become a subscriber? Easy. Visit theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. That's theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. And if you've never subscribed before, you can join up for six months for six quid. So go on, do it today. Would you like to be the fountain of football knowledge within your friendship group, either down the pub or in the group chat? Because if so, the Athletic Football Tactics podcast is surely the podcast for you. I'm Ali Maxwell, and every week the Athletic's tactics guru, Michael Cox, It's data whiz Mark Kerry and myself take a tactical deep dive into the week's biggest talking points. This week we'll be assessing the ever-changing role of the modern number nine and wondering if it's having a renaissance. We're also taking a look at Manchester City against Liverpool and asking if this is still the biggest fixture that the Premier League has to offer or not. 
Make sure to check out our back catalogue too, three years worth of episodes featuring more nostalgic lookbacks at iconic teams and seasons from yesteryear like Carlo Ancelotti's Christmas tree formation at AC Milan or Mesut Ozil's Arsenal legacy. It's good fun and the experts bring a ton of insight. So join us. Just search for the Athletic Football Tactics podcast wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow and subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Are you struggling to break teams down? Maybe you're conceding too many late goals. Or perhaps you're just a little overwhelmed by all the different player and team instructions available at your fingertips. Thankfully, RDF Tactics is here to offer a helping hand to take you from a team full of Sunday League cloggers to the sort of side that now plays silky smooth, total football. RDF Tactics, welcome. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Absolutely loving having you here. This bit is your domain. The Tactics Garage is where you shine. Yes, yes it is. Well, I hope so. We're going to put it to test today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've given you a test. We've given you a test. We've decided to do a bit of a once-over of a, of a team and a tactic. And the person we've chosen for you to do that is Producer Steve. And his Fiorentina tactic. Hello, producer Steve. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. Welcome in. So, Steve, I'm going to address this before we get started, right? You need help with a tactic from a Fiorentina side that is currently sat top of Serie A and unbeaten. I want this tactic. I don't want the bit that's not working. (laughs) What needs fixing here? So this is more of a um, tactical tune-up as we're going to hear in a second for this one, because there are certain things that I'm, I'm, I'm just like, when it works, it works. But when it doesn't, it very much does not. So this is an example of what will be more of a tune-up from RDF. But obviously in the future, we have a whole range from tweaks like this to massive complete kit car rebuilds that we want to hear from you guys. Excellent stuff. So RDF, yes. do you want to show us what Steve's working with and then tell us where he's going right, but more importantly... Where is going wrong? Oh, absolutely. Let's get stuck in. So what we do have here is a 4-2-4. Very attacking, by the way. At the back four, we've gotten two inverted wing backs, but one's on attacking, one's on defending on the right-hand side. So it, there is a slight focus on the attack on the left-hand side. The two wingers as well on the left-hand side, we do have an inside forward on attack, an inverted winger on attack on the right-hand side. In midfield, sort of a double pivot. We've got a deep line playmaker and an advanced playmaker. On attack, so two playmakers in the middle, something that I might look to change straight away. Lastly, up top, we do have an advanced forward and a deep line forward up top. Both on attacking duties, of course. The advanced forward looking to break the lines and the deep line forward trying to connect play. This is what I'm trying to gather from the tactic at the moment, especially with the in-possession instructions as well. There is a lot of focus in the middle. Attacking width, fairly narrow. Underlap, both on the left and the right. Not sure how that inverted wing back on defender is going to underlap because he's supposed to defend. And then we're going to focus play through the middle as well, playing out from the back. It's very attack heavy. We do have the counter press. We do have the counter movements when the possession has been won out of possession as well. Press, trigger press more often, higher line of engagement. So I do want to provide more of a balance with this tactic. 
It is very attack heavy, high risk, high reward. You may win 7-0 one game, you might lose 7-2 the next. So we're trying to add some balance into this tactic. That's what we're going to try and achieve today. And that actually, you've hit the nail on the head of exactly the problem that I've been having with, with this tactic sometimes. So this is specific to playing in Serie A with, with the guys, people who haven't played in Serie A before. It's a really fun division to play in, but it does. you do face a lot of teams who have the classic Catanaccio. Italian tactic of like essentially a back five with wing backs, two deeper midfielders, and they basically lump it long to the sort of three forwards, which means if you're an attacking side, you've really got, to, you know, you've, you've basically got to get through a whole lot of players. So yeah, when it works, it really, really works. But when it doesn't, it, it's sort of like trying to refine uranium a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that as well. Yeah, I'm already what's what what I think as well for listeners as well. I will say is that I'm already starting to bristle a little bit when Aaron's like, "This is this," like, you know, the two playmakers is like, "You're going to do what?" So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. But anyway, this is good because I'm learning. So, um, okay, good. Yeah. Help me fix it. Yeah, no problem. And one thing before even checking the data hub, I've noticed you're forcing the opposition on the outside. You don't have much protection out there as well, especially with the inverted wing backs on attack. He's he's going to look to play in the middle a lot, even though slightly when they're defending, they act as traditional fullbacks, but you're always thinking about transition as well. So when you're attacking, that inverted wing back is not in a normal fullback position. This is where you could also be conceding a lot of your goals. So I will go to the data hub and I will check your last five matches. And you do have some issues well, they are getting a lot of shots in your penalty box. And if I go to your team report as well, check where you are conceding from. We can see the assist location, nine goals. So most of your goals are actually coming from crosses. So again, you are forcing them in that area, but you don't have much protection in that area. You could just be allowing them to cross. And that is not a good idea. <laughs> so you're saying I'm, I'm, I'm inviting them into my most vulnerable part of the pitch? Yeah, which is... Essentially a trigger press anyway. You kind of want to invite. It's, it's, that's how you trap your opponents, but you also have to have a plan. You're kind of trapping your opponents in the area where you have nobody there. Okay. <laughs> how would you look to fix that then, Aaron? If he's got an inverted wing back, would you change it to, to a standard wing back or would you change it to a full back or would you maybe look to show them back outside again? Yeah, so it's... Like we said, it, the tactic is still working. He is first. He is winning games, but we're trying to provide a better balance. So what I would do possibly is change that inverted wing back on attack to support. They're fairly doing the same thing, but he's got more of a defensive responsibility. But also with your defensive width, I wouldn't necessarily force them on the outside. I would leave it in the middle and then I will see how the game is progressing. Sometimes I might actually try to force them on the inside and you can kind of, because a lot of your attacking play is through the middle as well. And you may gain a little advantage if you do win the ball back in those central areas. You can then break in those central areas as well. So I would start so it's also worth, Sorry to interrupt, mate, but it's um, worth pointing out here as well in terms of for, for people listening to the podcast, uh, audio-wise only without the video, yeah. that often we talk about when we're tweaking tactics that it's like you move this guy into this position or change his duties on the map where you see the dots basically yeah but a lot of the tweets you're making here are on that left hand side of the screen yeah within your in possession box out of possession box sections that then you click on them and then you get a different screen right yeah so now i've looked at the out of possession i do want to look at the in transition as well because this is where you could be getting hurt especially in the 424 counter press i'm not necessarily sure it's needed 
it is something that I would look to tweak as well. Possibly just remove the counter press. You don't necessarily have to use a regroup because, again, that's not what you want to do. You don't want to fall back into your position. You want to be on that front foot. But counter-pressing, it's, you're adding a lot of risk out of possession, especially in your transition. Using a 4-2-4, you could be leaving a lot of gaps. So a lot of the high-quality teams, such as Zebre, such as Inter Milan, they could punish you on that break. If you're trying to counter-press, you could be leaving gaps. So when possession has been lost, that is also something that I'm looking to tweak. Just remove the counter-press and you're just reducing that defensive risk. Mm -hmm. Lastly, in possession, I know there is a focus to play through the middle, through those central areas, but possibly too much focus is happening here because you do have the focus play through the middle. You do have the underlap on the left, underlap on the right. And then for your attacking width, you do have fairly narrow. So a lot of things are happening in the middle, but I think something that is not really talked about much is unpredictability in attack. You don't want always the same things happening. And you kind of, I do want that. I do want to keep the same ideas, but just add that little unpredictability and that could happen just removing the focus play through the middle because now sometimes your attacking play could happen out on those flanks and it could allow and just free up some responsibility from your central players as well so that's a really interesting point Aaron in terms of like the in my head anyway it was like you're on the bits that we spoke about a second ago the in possession yeah bits where you have the red and the green etc in my head it either had to be red or green yeah i hadn't really thought about the kind of fact that there is a middle option isn't there which is sort of the balance between the two yeah so as you as as a you know in the in possession section now it's sort of the focus play down the left down the right down the middle are just sort of no color at all really so that's going to make it more unpredictable yeah because you don't really have a set focus whereas if you're focusing through the middle I'm guessing you can imagine it like a real life football match. If a team is focusing through the middle for the first 45 minutes, it's just going to bring your boys in at halftime and look, this is where they're trying to attack. And then you kind of sort of your own tactics. And then the other team can sort of be reactive and kind of nullify your attack and play. Whereas if you've got some unpredictability, the team will know you are trying to focus through the middle. You do have inside forwards, inverted wingers. You've got two playmakers in the middle. So your team does know you are trying to attack in those central areas but at times your inside forward might just want to stay out wider collect the ball he can dribble down the byline he can cut inside same to your inverted winger so it's not always the same movements always the same patterns you do want to add some unpredictability in your tactic you mentioned earlier as well the fact that i've got two playmakers in there and this yes. is something you would change yes so one way you can check this as well, for those who are listening on the podcast, on your tactics screen, on a tactic creator, there is a little analysis button. Now, when you click this analysis button, a lot of dots and boxes comes up and you can kind of see the areas where you are weak in, the kind of areas that you're strong in. Now, for a tactic that is looking to focus through the middle, trying to build up through the middle, you don't really want many red boxes in the middle as well. So what I've done actually is changed your DLP to a central midfielder on support. And what you could do in the player instructions as well, because something that is good about the DLP is that he holds his position. Now in a 4-2-4, you kind of want your double pivot. You kind of want to be strong defensively in the middle. So for my central midfielder, I'm just going to ask him to hold his position similar to a deep line playmaker. But what we don't have is the focus, not always looking to collect the ball because you've got your advanced playmaker to do that and he can create in those advanced areas kind of something that was working when i'm looking at your player ratings is your advanced playmaker that's doing really really well on the creative side so i don't want to remove that but i do want to add some 
kind of, I don't know, you don't want two playmakers in the middle, basically, for me anyway, and the analysis now as well. So now you will notice some of the boxes are actually quite brighter, brighter green, which is a positive thing, which means there is a more, you are kind of strong in those areas. You can see now my player, Ivan Illich, he's got a high positive influence in that middle area, and that is exactly what we want. So when it comes to changing players' instructions, all you've got to do is quite literally click on that player on your tactic creating screen. So for an example, I do have my central midfielder Illich here, a central midfielder on support. I'm just going to click on him and then his instructions pop up slightly to the right. You can click the edit button and then voila, you've got a beautiful screen and you can add some instructions, which is a good thing for a central midfielder. A player like a central midfielder that doesn't really come with hard-coded instructions. A hard-coded instruction is basically something that really defines a role. So for an example, an advanced playmaker already has to take more risks because that is what he's supposed to do, create chances. Whereas a central midfielder, you kind of got your blank canvas and you can kind of create the sort of play that you want. And what we're trying to create in central midfield for our central midfielder on support is kind of someone that just holds his position at all times in central midfield, which is a good thing. If you do lose the ball, you've got a player in central midfield at all times. Excellent stuff. I think that's, Pretty in depth, to be honest. You know what? As I said, I said at the start, I was I would have taken this tactic every single day of the week, but I'm now looking, going, oh, there is flaws. There is flaws. Um, RDF, incredible analysis. Um, yes. For those people who obviously are listening to the podcast, we have a, a video aspect as well, so there will be some video elements of this up on YouTube. So go and check it out if you want to visibly go and see what uh, Aaron's done to the tactic and how he tweaks it. Um, that would be excellent to go and have a watch over there. We'll put the link in the show notes in the description. Um, also as well, if that's whetted your appetite and you've looked at your tactic and thought, you know what, there's a couple of things that are just misfiring a little bit and maybe I need to have a little, a little tweak of my own, then feel free to get in touch with us. Drop either myself or RDF a tweet. So it's at Tony Jameson for myself. It's at RDF Tactics for RDF. Send us a screenshot of the tactic, but more importantly, tell us what's wrong. Tell us what's not quite working. Don't just send us a tactic and say, this is fantastic. Send us <laughs> what we need to look at, because this is where RDF does his homework and comes into his own. So, of course, as I say, do send those in, and we'll look forward to analysing some more in the Tactics Garage next week. It's time for your letters and other correspondence. Now, as you heard from Andrew Sinclair, there's some very exciting things happening with FM23, but I think I speak for all of us when I say we'll miss FM22. It was a great game. But what will you miss about Football Manager 22? So Andrew has written in, uh, tweeted us, sorry, um, he's at Gibney underscore A. He said to yourself, Tony, I do want to have a break, but I'm not really sure how else to pass my time. I think we can all relate to that. I haven't got any saves on going though, and I can't really get into a new one. So Andrew's in a bit of an FM limbo at the moment. So should we give him a few suggestions for a sort of final FM 22 fling? Aaron, what do you think? For me, have I been picking my saves lately? I've been finding, well, thinking of intriguing formations first, and then I would literally just scan around the team and try and perfect that tactic. So at the moment, I do have a Brazilian box tactic that I'm, where am I? I'm at Halifax Town. That's where I'm at. I'm at Halifax Town, which I would never have done at the start. But I just thought, what is the weirdest formation with the weirdest team I can pick? And voila. And it's been a beautiful relationship ever since. 
Nice. That's nice, that. I like that. I like that. I'm Because of the fact that we've not got too long till FM23 is out, how about something like a bottom of the league at Christmas? Mm. It's not a long sieve. You're obviously going to have to Ooh. simulate forward to, to Christmas Day and then basically put yourself in charge of whoever's bottom of the table. Try and survive. Obviously, you can make this as hard or as easy as you like. So you could make it the Premier League or if you want to maybe go down to the championship and really grind it out from Christmas, you could do that. That's usually quite fun. I did that with um, with Wickham in a, in last year's game and I say it was fun. It was it was horrible actually, but but it, it was it was one of those experiences that I think you've you've kind of got to do. So yeah, I'd maybe do something like that. It's a short challenge as well and it gives you a chance to to try some things that maybe you might not have done throughout the course of the year. So so hopefully that gives gives a Andrew, some some ideas. Um, RDF, who did we get next? We do have Gareth Rhodes, and he said, at Gareth198405, I'm doing a save in the Eredivisie with the... Gra- oh, my God. I knew I was going to butcher that name. The <laughs> 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 <De> Graf Schap. <laughs> I'm doing a save in the Eredivisie with the Graf Schap. Domestically, I've achieved everything I can, but I like to win the Champions League in my save as the closest thing I've come, being a 1-0 final defeat to Real Madrid two years ago in the game. How could we help him? It's mm, tough, isn't it? You get that close as well with a team like De Graf Schap. Can you still do it? Mm, I don't know. I think go again. Go again. You've got time to go again. Boschko Green says, same every year for me. I always do a journeyman save. He starts unemployed with no badges and no reputation. Massive, massive plus points for that, by the way. So get really attached to it. I'm currently on course to win Serie A with Lazio. If it happens before FM23, I'll be happy. If we bottle it, I'll be gutted. Now, for some of you maybe uh, a bit unsure about what a journeyman save is, this is right up my street, to be honest. This is how I play. I like starting unemployed, no coaching badges, no reputation, just literally a bloke turns up knocking on football <laughs> club's doors going, can I have a job, please? And eventually some stupid club goes, yeah, why not? So you often start fairly low. The idea of a journeyman being you move from club to club to club, jumping from job to job to job, and you can weave some fantastic stories. If you start low down, by the time you get to the top of the uh, of the upper echelons of football, the universe has changed so much. So some of the teams that win the titles when you're at the top, maybe weren't even at the top when the game started. So I thoroughly appreciate Bosco with that. They are hard to do. We're currently just about drawing a veil over my current journeyman save where I'm now Norwich. I've uh, gone from Brackley to York City to Bolton to Norwich. and We've just made it into the Premier League. So hopefully... One more season, I think, and that should take us up to 10 years before FM23 is out. I feel a journeyman is something that I might have to start investing in. It's something I don't do at all. And I did have a little taste, a little taste. So I was pro Vercelli in Series C. We got Mm. promoted all the way up. I felt I achieved everything I can. So I decided to leave. It wasn't the best decision as the same when. <laughs> it wasn't the best decision, but there is something about not everything going your way. There's something really interesting about that. And I really, really want to fix that. Say, so thank you, Bosco, 
because I'm going to open up FM22 after this and try and fix Pro Vercelli. No, the team that I'm at. Yes, the new team. <laughs> I think the first issue there is if you're not sure which team you're about, <laughs> that's going to be a major issue. Lovely. So we've had Chris Tabner as well. He got in touch to say, this is one for you, Tony. I'm still on CM9798 and I still feel like I've got room for improvement on it. So... <laughs> as, as as we know, Tony, you're you're a man nostalgic for the older versions of the, of, of the game. What's your favourite? Ninety seven, ninety eight's there, but how about you? What's your favourite? I don't know why Chris Tavner's even considering moving from ninety seven, ninety eight. It's perfection. It's absolute perfection. This is this is the birth of Tommy Swindle Larson. Like, why would you go anywhere else? Teddy Lutchic, a young John Curtis at Manchester United. Go on, Chris. You can stay the course here. I believe in you. Next, we do have Gavin at GB32 underscore. Absolutely. I didn't struggle so much with 2122, FM2122, because I'd achieved the saves goals. But with FC Norseland, I'm probably going to continue playing it once FM23 is out. It's the most invested I've been in a save since FM14. I'm the same. I am the same. I do have a Halifax Town save. I've probably mentioned it already in this podcast, but... It's going well. It's really going well. I'm so invested. And there's part of me thinking, if FM23 drops tomorrow morning, what is going to happen at Halifax? I mean, I might just have two games running at the same time, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, there's a thing, isn't there? Like, where you do get to that point going, I just, I can't quit. Like, I had it in FM21. Just before FM22 came out, I was fully invested in Peterborough. I, we got into the Premier League. That had so many stories. And I was like, we need to keep going. But I, we the, we ran out of time. I get the feeling I'm a little bit here with Norwich as well. And I've been invested previously before. You know, a little shout out to Blythe Spartans, I suppose, <laughs> maybe. Um, but, uh, you know, we move on. Eventually, you've got to draw a line somewhere, I'm afraid. And I think uh, at this point, there are some people that will be uh, be looking to move on. Ben McCluskey, Ben underscore McCluskey, I should say, sorry. He says he's in 2027 on his Middlesbrough save. Last season, I finished second in the league, got them to the Champions League final. Feels a little bit like I've got unfinished business. Ben, you've got time. You've got time. Go and get that Champions League trophy lifted for the Borough. That's like the level above. Is it Steve McLaren's Middlesbrough that got to the UEFA Cup final? Like Massimo Macaroni, Mark mm, Viduca, yeah. those guys? That's like next level. So well done there, Ben. Um, the At The Untold Game has also got in touch to say, uh, obviously we're talking about things we're going to miss about FN22 with FN23 imminent. I finally completed my only FM22 save, Red Star FC, only signing players born in Paris, and I toppled PSG. Uh, so Red Star FC are a club in Paris, one of the oldest as well. A great story um, if you want to look into a bit more there. Um, and so now he's the other way, or they are the other way. A uh, bit lost and not really sure what to do whilst I wait for FM23. Well, have you heard earlier in the letter section, there are a few save suggestions there for you, so... Maybe a bit of that. Maybe a bit of that. Great tactics. Um, Great tactics. Prepare. Prepare for FM23. That's what, <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm doing as well. So next is FM Woody. We do. Uh, he said definitely, actually. Definitely. I'm pushing for a Champions League spot as Chatham Town as, or in my role to glory save and have some really good wonder kids who I'd love to see how they progress. Keep progressing then. Keep progressing. Make sure you are training them and make sure you are training them correctly. I think that's the problem, isn't it? Seeing those wonder kids and every year another one comes through and you go, oh, I just want to <laughs> see how this one develops. Um, well, 
thankfully we're going to get a little bit of that in this next one. Daniel Jolly, Daniel RD Jolly One on Twitter has said for FM twenty three rather than FM twenty two that something I've said has stuck and inspired someone. <laughs> Mark this down, Steve. Ooh. This is a first, right? And it will never be repeated again. Um, we're talking about Wonder Kids living on, and and we've already mentioned one club challenges there with with Paris FC. I'm planning for FM23 to undertake the British Steel Challenge. Now, Daniel Jolly says, I have inspired him to do the same. Just trying to work out the order to do the Nations in and my starting team now. Now, just to explain the British Steel Challenge, it's ludicrous is what it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. You have to win every single trophy that's available in every single league in the British Isles, which is England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Now, I've totaled those up 32. I have 32 trophies to win. Steve, I can see you're already looking good. There's no way you're going to do this. You're right. I'm not. I am not a person who wins things on Football Manager. And here I am setting myself a goal to try and win more than I've ever won in about 14 versions of the game. And I'm trying to do it all in one go. I mean... Daniel's asking there, you know, what's the best way to start? If you're doing it, quote-unquote, properly, you start unemployed. And then you just find a job, and it's probably going to be in Welsh Division <laughs> 2 or Northern Ireland, and you're going to have to try and and grind your way up. Um, promotions count as trophies, by the way. So if I win, say, for example, I get promoted via the, the National League North, and it's via the playoffs, that still counts. But... I have to then go Do you mean back. the trophy they give the playoff winners? Like, you're going to get that trophy, are you? The playoff <laughs> tro- trophy. But even if I finish second, that still counts, Ooh. apparently. Right? But the issue is, if I win, if I get promoted from the, from the National League North, I've still got to go back and do the National League South oh. as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I found out on my stream the other night that some of the Northern Irish Cups are regional. So I'm going to have... I can't win them all with the same club. I've got to leave and go and join another team. I mean... This is, no, this is a mess. This is an absolute mess. Why have I chosen to do this to myself? We have this ongoing conversation, don't we, within the FN community? And, and we've had this conversation um, in the context of the community challenge that we're going to mention in, in, in a future episode soon. Mm. And that balance between, like, the emphasis and the word challenge, but also just being fun... Yeah. You know, because listeners to the pod from last season will be aware of my feelings about the Derby Challenge. Mm-hmm. It's just too hard. And Sunderland. And Sunderland yeah. before that, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that this might be... Well, look, you have fun, Tony. <laughs> you won't, but... <laughs> this is very much a you-do-you yeah. you situation, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Uh, I appreciate the support. I appreciate the support. Thank you as well, of course, for for all of your yes. your letters and, and yes. tweets. And and please do remember to keep them coming in. Send us them via via Twitter if they're short. Of course, you can do that. But also as well, remember that you can send us them via email. I mean, unfortunately, there has been a slight, unexpectedly tricky technical issue with our email address, and someone is apparently not actually able to fully let go of his previous role we're not mentioning names but please keep sending longer correspondence to ian mackintosh <laughs> at imackintosh at theathletic.com plus of course the fm confessional is very much open for business as well and i bet you've all done some horrendous things whilst the show has been away for example 
some of you may have gotten involved with the Arsenal Community Challenge over the summer. And if you did, and if you've been burning to tell someone how you did, type away. As I say, do make sure you get in touch. You can tweet us if you wish. I'm at Tony Jameson, of course, and RDF is at RDF Tactics. And that was the Football Manager Show from The Athletic, the first of the new era. Your guest today was Andrew Sinclair from Sports Interactive. Your co-host was RDF Tactics. Your producer was Steve Hankey. And I am Tony Jameson. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. The Athletic.